This is Real Estate Rookie, episode 113. These little uncomfortable moments that they're so scared of, this is why people give up. And that really pushed me to really start taking more action because now I understand if I could break through these little limits, I'm going to be successful because most people won't even get that far. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I'm here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. And today we have Brian on the show. And I'm so excited for you guys to hear about the six traits that every investor should have and what they should bring to the table. Yeah, Brian's got a really incredible story. He's not a rookie, but he works with a lot of rookies. He's talked to a lot of rookies. And he's got this really cool framework that I think all of you guys are going to benefit from. But he's also got a really cool backstory. And I think the way that he got started should hopefully be inspiring to a lot of people that are listening. You know, I think it's easy to see those real estate investors that are, you know, maybe five, 10 steps ahead of you and you forget that they at one point were also rookies. So Brian does a really good job of painting that picture of what rookie Brian looked like. Yeah. So before we get started on to today's show, we can't wait to see everybody at the Bigger Pockets conference. Uh, make sure you guys come up and say hi to Tony and I. We'll be wandering around. We're also going to be the MCs at the conference. So um, you'll see us up on the main stage. Have a couple fun dance routines planned. Lots of stuff during intermission. <laughs> Tony's been practicing his moves. But yes, and then also uh, make sure you guys join us in the Real Estate Rookie Facebook group and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Real Estate Rookie. Let's get in to today's show. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the BiggerPockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal Do Not Call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com bp. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. So Brian, you've obviously got a ton of experience flipping homes. You're not the prototypical rookie, but we brought you on 
not just to share your backstory, but because you've got this really cool framework, these six traits that you feel every new investor should have if they want to be successful. So Ash and I thought it'd be a really cool idea to kind of go through those traits, share that with the Ricky audience so they can kind of pick up on some of that knowledge. Now, for those of you that are listening, for our Rickies out there, as Brian is talking through these different character traits, these different personality traits, Ash and I want you guys to kind of rank yourselves on a scale of one to five to see where you fall on that specific trait. And depending on where your score is, we'll give you some feedback on how you guys can make them better. So, Brian, enough talking for me. Why don't you take it away? Let's dive into that first character trait. I came up with these six because uh, I actually uh, coach with Ryan Pineda. And we've spoken to hundreds of real estate investors. And I figured out that these six are kind of what I found are the differences between the ones that become very successful and the ones that never really get started. So the first trait that I think is the most important is a risk taker. And I put a highlight underneath that called uh, risk it for the biscuit. (laughs) As you know, in real estate investing, there's always some risk to any deal that you're doing. Whether it's a flip, an Airbnb, a rental, it could go great or it could go the other way. And um, you have to be willing to stomach the risk that you're going to take once you purchase a house or when you ever make a big decision in your life, just like how I uh, quit my job with not a clear destination yet in real estate. I just literally quit. So I I think being a risk taker is a big quality that you're going to need to be a real estate investor. Let's dive into that a little bit, Brian, because I, I think I agree that there's a certain level of risk that's associated with being any kind of entrepreneur, right? But obviously in the world of real estate investing as well, how does someone build that muscle of taking risk? I think so many people let fear hold them back from taking action. So what's your recommendation to rookie investors that need to develop that risk-taking muscle a little bit more? So this may be a little bit extreme and it might rub some people the wrong way, but it's kind of how I said earlier, When I came into real estate investing, I knew rather I was going to become a millionaire or I was going to go bankrupt. So just understanding the worst possible option that could happen and being okay with it. So I think that's a big help for me when I first started. So I'll have uh, number one, risk taker. Number two, problem solver. Number three, you have to be resourceful. Number four, you have to have focus. Number five, you have to have faith. And number six, you have to have social skills. And then I personally think the risk taker is number one because a lot of people who never get started is because they're not willing to take the risk. They're not willing to quit their job. They're not willing to invest the money into education. They're not willing to sign the offer. They just wait and wait and then eventually give up. And Ashley, I don't know you that well. Is there a risk that you've taken in your career that you think was life-changing? I mean, I definitely think my first deal was taking on a partner and using their life savings uh, to actually (laughs) purchase a property. (laughs) That was definitely life-changing for me because I realized I could actually do it. And then I uh, had them put a line of credit on their house and we did it again. (laughs) So I would say uh, that would probably be like that first initial taking action, that was my biggest risk right there. Yeah. The very first Airbnb that we bought, we bought it sight unseen in a state that I had never been to. And that cabin, that short-term rental cost more than my primary residence, right? Like it was the biggest purchase I'd ever made in my life for this unproven business model. We'd never done a short-term rental before. We'd never done an Airbnb before to this place that I just heard of like maybe two weeks before we put the offer in. So you're right. I think there's definitely a level of risk. But like you said, and we mentioned this on the show a lot, right, Ashley, is that the way that you kind of move past that fear is by thinking worst case scenario. And if you can live with whatever that worst case scenario is, then why not move forward, right? If the worst case is that you lose the money that you saved up, okay, cool. Can you make that money again? Yeah. 
All right, then maybe it's not that bad. Is the worst case scenario that you got to move back in with your parents because you've you spent all your money? Well, you, you did that for the first part of your life, right? You lived with your parents before, so maybe it's not so bad. So, you know, whatever the situation is, just can you live with that worst case scenario? And that's how I found that I've been able to push past some of those fears. And I've told Tony on the phone before, like, Tony has a lot of guts. <laughs> Anytime I call Tony and ask him if I should do this deal or not, he has said yes 100% of the time. <laughs> so now I don't call Tony because I'm too scared. <laughs> I already know the answer. I look at his number. I'm like, no, I'm not going to call him. <laughs> He's going to tell me to do it. <laughs> we all need that person in, the, in our lives, though, right? To, to tell us yes, right? Yeah. So I love the risk taken, Brian. So what, what's next? The, what's the second trait that we need to focus on? Second trait, another huge one is problem solver. I think a lot of house flippers or investors, they'll see a problem in a property and they immediately run away or they pass on the deal. But um, if you could figure out a way to make a deal work when there wasn't a deal there before, that could be life-changing. So for example, when I first started, I used to buy a lot of tenant-occupied properties, and most of the investors around here would not. But I got so good at negotiating cash for keys and understanding the laws of tenancy in California that that helped me make an extra few hundred thousand dollars a year because there's less competition on those deals. So uh, if you could run to problems and figure them out instead of running away, that would be uh, life-changing. What is the, the next one, Brian? So after risk-taking, what's the, the next step or the next attribute you should have or trait, I guess? Is that what we're calling them, traits? The next one is resourcefulness. So for that one, I put bigger pockets. I also put Google, Yelp, mentors, social media, and peers. So I just listed a bunch of free ways to find knowledge and free ways to network and meet people. I have personally gotten deals straight off of bigger pockets on their website from networking on their forms. And um, I still use their calculator today. And then just programs like Facebook, those groups, you know, investor groups, local investor groups, I've made hundreds of thousands of dollars just networking on those groups for free. So um, you don't need to have a huge marketing budget to get deals, but you do need to be uh, resourceful. I think that is such a great point. Networking with people and figuring out what people can help you, but before you even approach them, how can you help them too? And working that into being resourceful, not just going and asking and begging for information, but really figuring out how to get that and I'm a big believer in don't recreate the wheel. Like there's so many people doing different real estate strategies out there and doing them different ways. Use what other people are already doing and then just tailor it to yourself. And I think that your resourcefulness trait is a, a huge thing because you can go out and find all this information. It's all out there. So much of it is for free. You can pay for different things, but it's really just everything you can get for free in an organized bundle, but you can definitely uh, go out and find it yourself. And can you elaborate a little more um, without going completely off topic on just the marketing, how you can be resourceful and do that for a low, really low cost? Okay. So for example, like most real estate investors that I know, they use a system called Podio as a CRM. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it, but... Podio could actually be 100% free. You could download Podio and kind of build it up the way you want it to look for free. And then you could go on Facebook groups or Instagram and search wholesalers and build a list of wholesalers and realtors and then just start calling them weekly, sending them emails all for free. And if you do that, it's almost guaranteed you're going to get a deal without spending a dollar in marketing. So many free ways, right? And I think for a lot of rookie investors, they think they have to invest a huge chunk of cash to get started in the world of real estate investing. I think maybe for like the traditional 
buy a long-term rental, put 20% down, maybe, but there are so many other strategies and niches within the world of real estate investing that you can get started for a much lower dollar amount. So I, I love the the free resources. In fact, Lily Thompson, I can't recall what episode she was, I think 89 or maybe 90, somewhere around there, but she's a, a wholesaler based in Oklahoma and she's gotten all of her wholesale deals with $0 spent on marketing. Like all she does is called expired listings for the markets that she's focusing on. And that's how she's gotten all of her deals. So there's so many ways to get creative and, and make this whole thing work for you. Brian, I want to go back to the problem solving piece because I felt that was a, a really important statement that you made. You said that you probably have made a few extra $100,000 per year by tackling this problem of buying properties that have tenants. I think that's, I don't want that to get lost on people because that's a six-figure problem that you're tackling annually, right? Just by solving that one problem, you're creating six figures in additional income for yourself. If I'm a new person, well, I guess let's take it back to you, right? When you first decided to, okay, here's this problem of this property still having a tenant. And most investors view that as a problem that's insurmountable, that's not worth their time. When you did it for the first time, what, I don't know, what resource did you leverage? What education did you follow to kind of overcome that problem and, and make it part of your toolkit? I bought one of my first rent flips and there was a tenant there. As soon as we closed the escrow, he was supposed to get out, but then he instead uh, cursed me out and told me he wasn't going to leave. So this connects with resourcefulness. Most people don't understand that you could call eviction attorneys for free. It's 100% free to call an eviction company and ask for advice. But most people that I speak to, they'll say things like, oh, well, I don't know how evictions work and I don't have enough money for an attorney. And I'll say, oh, okay, you don't know, you don't have, a, how much is an attorney? I don't know. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Well, here, send me the deal and then I'll look at it. And right there, they, they've already lost, but... If you're listening to this, just call a local eviction company and they'll talk to you for free because they need to qualify the situation to see if they could work with you. And if they can't work with you, you know, they're going to give you their prices. And usually it's not as expensive as people think it's going to be. Brian, in your experience, because I've had this happen several times where just that initial notice that So in New York State, you have to give notice that you're going to start an eviction process. And a lot of times just that notice that is sent to them scares them enough into either paying or moving out and saves you a ton of money. But just because a lawyer told me to do that first step, it has saved me a ton of money in the long term, too. Like you said, knowing the steps and the, the process. I did try and do, uh, when I first started as a property manager, before I even had my own property, the investor I worked for, he's like, oh, you can do it yourself. We don't need an attorney, blah, blah, blah. And I had to try and figure out doing the process. And the judge, she made me like cry. I was trying so hard to <laughs> hold back my tears. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, so I, it's, uh, you know, in a really small time and everybody knows everybody. So I'm sure everybody knew, oh, actually put to tears when the judge in town. <laughs> uh, so I do recommend getting a lawyer because once I got a lawyer, it was smooth sailing. And I probably could do the process now, but just the hassle of getting the dates correct, getting everything. And, it, and it's really not that much money. I mean, if it drags out, of course it could be, but. And another gem I'll give to the listeners is a lot of people right now have the same problem where they're running away from tenant-owned properties because they think, oh, well, th there's a moratorium. I can't evict someone. But if you call your local eviction company, and this only works here locally, you got to talk to your wherever you're at, the local attorneys. If someone's in California in Riverside or San Bernardino County, and they never signed a lease agreement, and they're not paying rent, they're not a tenant. So you can file an eviction. But Someone who doesn't know that will say, oh, there's somebody there not paying. I'm not going to be able to evict them. And then they pass on the deal. 
And then I know that there's less competition. So that gives me more leverage to negotiate with whoever has the deal or whoever's selling the property. I love that approach, Brian, right? It's leveraging your knowledge as a competitive advantage. And the only way you get that knowledge is by asking questions and not letting that first obstacle be the one that kind of stops you dead in your track. So man, so much gold here. So just to recap for the rookie listeners so far, we've got being a risk taker, being a problem solver, and being resourceful. So what's the next character trait that we need here? The next one that I put is focus. And um, for notes under that, I put don't get distracted by shiny objects, make sure to time block important activities, and make sure to improve daily. So for me, this was one of my biggest traits when I first started. I was obsessed with real estate as soon as I understood how it worked. Literally, someone would be trying to have a conversation with me. And I just, I couldn't even listen to them. If it wasn't about real estate, I just wasn't hearing them. And I'm a huge basketball fan for like two years. I didn't watch any sports. I didn't go to the movies. I literally, I was single. So I just, I would just stay at the office till like eight or nine o'clock at night. I wouldn't even be working all the time, but I would just be on the MLS talking to older realtors. I was just obsessed with the game. So um, if you can get focused, that will be uh, another game changer for you. Can we talk, Brian, a little bit about the shiny object syndrome? I feel like you see this really with anyone who's entrepreneurial, but you see it a lot with rookie real estate investors, right? Where they can't really focus in on one thing, right? They want to try a flip. They want to try this this thing. They want to try that thing. I guess a couple of questions. How? What's your recommendation for folks on finding what that thing is that they should focus on? And then what strategies are you using to make sure that you can stay dialed in on that one thing long enough to actually see some benefit from it? Yeah. So there's two things. There's one, I call it the power of saying no. So for me, I say no to a lot of things. If someone asks me like, hey, do you want to start building? No. Hey, do you want to start investing in uh, Idaho? No. I know exactly what my business plan is and I stick to it no matter what comes. I focus on that for a certain amount of time. For my business, it's always quarterly. So whatever I'm focused on on that quarter, that's all I focus on. After the quarter's over, if I want to make a change, if I want to switch, then I'll, I'll move on to the next thing. So yeah, number one was saying no. And number two was coming up with a clear business plan. So again, every quarter, I have a very clear business plan. So this quarter, I want to do 12 brand new flips and I want to buy three rental properties. If something doesn't go into those buckets, I'm not doing it. And if somebody is not really helping me get to those goals, I'm not going to spend a lot of time with them because my time is very limited. You know, I have kids, I have to take care of myself physically and, you know, sleep and all that stuff. So I think if you could come up with a clear business plan and be able to say no to any uh, shiny objects, that'll help you a lot. I'm reading the book right now. It's called uh, The 12-Week Year by Brian Moran. And uh, very similar to what you're just, I mean, what you just described, right? Where it's kind of you're breaking up your goals into these quarterly kind of 12-week blocks. And I love what you said, where if an activity doesn't help me get 12 flips or three rentals and I'm not doing it, I love that level of focus, that level of precision in your goals because it really helps you block out all the other things. Because it's, I think it's easy to be busy as a real estate investor, but it's totally different thing to be productive, right? And you've got to kind of figure out how you, I don't know, how you dedicate your time so you're more productive and not just busy. What about you, Ashley? How do you keep focused? Oh God, I never get focused. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, one little tiny thing that I do is I uh, close out all my tabs on my uh, computer screen. So on my internet browser, when I notice that there's a whole bunch over there and I feel like I'm going back and forth from different tasks, I just take them and I delete them all. I close down my whole thing and I start over and like, okay, what's the next important thing? And that's just one little thing that I I do. And then you had mentioned the time tracker about probably a year and a half ago, Steve Rosenberg had me do the time tracker. And for two weeks, I had to write down what I was doing every single day And how long it took me, I mean, if I scrolled on my phone and 
I had to text him every single night what my time study was and what I was doing. And it, I got to the point where I was like, I'm not going to sit here and watch TV because I don't want to write that down and Steve see that I'm being lazy when I'm <laughs> watching TV. And then it just got kind of pointed out things to me that distract me or, you know, I'm not focusing on or are time wasters and also help me develop what are the things that I'm actually really productive at and what are things that I'm working on the business instead of in the business too. Same here. So what's the next thing after you would say the focus? Another important one is I put social skills. I think this could be number one in real estate investing you definitely are going to have to know how to work with people. If you can't get along with people, this is going to be a very tough business. If you lack sales skills, you're going to rather have to hire someone to have those skills or you're going to have to learn them yourself. When you say sales skills, Brian, like elaborate on that. Like, are you saying someone needs to be able to be like a high pressure closer and they need to be able to, you know, like when you say sales skills, what does that mean? Yeah, that's a great question. So I don't see sales as a high pressure, like sign right now type of person. I just see sales skills as someone that's able to build relationships. If you're able to get people to like you and you're able to help other people, they will help you in return. That's what I define as sales skills. Grant Cardone has a book called Seller Be Sold. I think that's a great book that explains sales skills. And I love that definition because I think people oftentimes think used car salesmen whenever people talk about sales skills. But at its core, being a good salesperson is just using, leveraging your influence to build mutually beneficial outcomes, right? And it's like, if we can all focus on sales in that light, I think it really changes the perspective for a lot of people. So if you're able to solve a problem for someone and maybe encourage them to get to that solution, then, then you're a salesperson. And that's what real estate is all about at the end of the day is, is like you said, going back to your second trait, right? Being a problem solver. It's solving problems and leveraging your influence to help other people solve their problems. Yeah. And even in my personal life, like I have to sell my wife on stuff all the time. Like if my wife does not like going to the beach. <laughs> I have to figure out a way to sell her on letting us all go to the beach. Even for me, right? Like, and we hear this a lot from folks who want to get started in real estate investing is that sometimes you have to sell your spouse on becoming a real estate investor, right? Or just getting on board with allowing you to become a real estate investor. So, I mean, for me, I, I definitely had some sales skills I leveraged to get my wife Sarah on board, but she, she loves it now, man. So I guess what what's your advice, Brian, for someone to try and develop some of those skills? First, I would read the book, Sell or Be Sold by Grant Cardone, because I feel like that really opened my eyes to what sales really is. And I think just educating yourself overall on sales. So I know, like, who are some sales trainers that I really like? I guess Brian Tracy. I was just going to add in there, too, along with sales skills, negotiating, like the book Never Split the Difference. That'd be another great read for somebody, too. That one's Yeah, and I think educating yourself and then you're going to have to talk to a lot of people. When I first started, I was pretty introverted and insecure. But the more I spoke to people daily, it just slowly built up my confidence. So I would also say building your confidence will help your sales skills. People aren't going to work with someone who's like nervous all the time, or if they're not confident, they're not going to want to work with you. But if you're confident, if you show them that you could lead, they're going to want to work with you, which is going to help your sales skills. I think you just got to rip the bandaid off, right? Like I've shared on some of our other episodes, we're ramping up our direct to seller marketing to try and help our, you know, help our business. And I remember the first time I sat down to cold call this list of people, like my heart was beating out of my chest. And I'm not typically like a nervous person like that. You know, like I'll get up, I'll speak in front of rooms of people, like I'll do my thing. But for whatever reason, the idea of calling a random stranger, asking them if I can buy their house, it terrified me. But once I talked to that first person, and they hung up on me. I was like, you know what? That, that actually wasn't that bad. You know, and then the next person hangs up on you. And it's like, you know, okay, I can get used to this. It's not as bad as I thought it was. And what I realized is that we build things up 
to be much scarier in our head than what they actually are. And the sales process is the same same way. Like we make it the scary, scary thing when really it's a numbers game. And you just know that X amount of people are going to hang up on you. An even smaller percentage are probably going to cuss you out maybe once or twice, but an even smaller percentage is going to say yes. And that's where all the money is made. Yeah. So I'll tell you two quick stories. So first one, I bought a list of expired listings when I was a realtor. And I was like, all right, this is it. You know, I'm going to call these people. I'm going to wait till six (laughs) o'clock until everyone has left the office and I'm going to start cold calling. So I waited till six. Everyone left. I called the first number and someone picked up and I just hung up on them. I was so scared. I was like, I was like, oh, no, I'm not ready. So I hung up on them. And that was it. That was my whole first day cold calling. I was like, all right, I'm going to go home and come back at this tomorrow. And the next day, someone in my office is like, hey, we're going to go door knocking. So I was like, all right, you know what? Let me try door knocking because cold calling was very scary. First door I knock on, someone answers the door and they're like, I'm not interested and slam the door in my face. (laughs) I was and I started literally laughing. I just thought it was funny because I was like, why would why would someone react like that? But then I started thinking, I was like, oh, this is why people give up because these little uncomfortable moments that they're so scared of, this is why people give up. And that really pushed me to really start taking more action because now I understand if if I could break through these little limits, I'm going to be successful because most people won't even get that far. It's like growing up when your parents tell you, you have to, you want pizza for dinner. Okay, well, you have to go and call. And you're like, no, mom, you call. (laughs) It's like getting over a hurdle like that where you have to call and order food. Yeah. There's still definitely phone calls I pawn off my husband. Like, there's no big deal at all. Just like, can't you just call? (laughs) My wife does that too. I I didn't understand that. <laughs> she will still not no, order. She's food. not pawning off. She's just super busy. She's got, you know, stuff to do. <laughs> That's funny. Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act, a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours. 
even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Well, Brian, great breakdown on on the sales process as it relates to being a real estate investor. So I think we've hit five. We've got resourcefulness, problem solver, being a risk taker, focused, and social skills. What is our our last and final trait? The last one is another huge one, but um, I put faith. And I put faith because one thing that stops most people is they pretty much just give up or they think that they're not good enough. And for me, I definitely was very insecure growing up. I grew up with a single mom. We didn't have any money. Like it was rough sometimes seeing my mom cry, not being able to pay the rent. Like that does, you know, it can make you insecure. So. I know a lot of people who think like, oh, well, Brian, Tony, and Ashley, they're rich and they're good looking. I'm not as good looking as them, so I can't do it. So they don't have faith that things are going to work out. So um, you need to have faith, especially in the beginning when you don't see any success, when you have zero dollars or you've been trying super hard for three months and literally have made nothing, you're probably in the hole a couple thousand dollars from what money you've invested. You have to have faith and keep going. I love hearing that, Brian, because I think it's so important for the rookie investors to understand that no matter where they're standing today, no matter what their starting point is, there is almost no obstacle that's too big or no obstacle that's too challenging that will prevent them from reaching their goal of becoming a real estate investor, except for themselves, right? Like the biggest obstacle that they have to overcome is their own self-doubt, is their own fear, is their own lack of confidence, right? It's not deals, right? People find deals all day, every day. It's not funding. There's so much money out there. Like you just have to connect with the right people. It's not having a property manager. It's not the general, like all of those external obstacles, They may seem big, but they're clear paths around them, right? There's ways to get around them. But the one thing that's going to hold people back is that lack of faith. It's that lack of self-confidence, that lack of courage, that lack of just all those things internally. So, man, I love that you hit on the faith piece because it's so important. I think to go along with that, too, is that not only do you have to, I guess, believe in yourself just to get over obstacles, but also if you're going to work with anybody you're going to take on partners. If you're going to ask someone to borrow money, you have to believe in yourself that you can do it. You have to trust yourself. You have to respect yourself. You have to love yourself before anybody else is going to actually want to put their faith in you that you can get this deal done and that you can achieve it. If you don't believe that you're going to, you can't do it or that you're not going to be successful, nobody else is going to want to invest with you because they're going to see right through it. So there's like that fine line of being confident, but also not cocky. And you just have to kind of find your way in between those two. What gave you the confidence to do your first deal and raise the money from your partner when you first started, Ashley? Like, how did you know you were doing the right thing? I think it was because I was working for an investor and I was working as a property manager. And he also let me help him do acquisitions and acquire deals for him where I was doing the underwriting. I was looking at the deals and I knew the market. I took on the partner, not because I was afraid of losing their money, but because I was afraid of losing my own money. And that's honestly it. I was scared. And so I used a partner as a security blanket. I was just going to say taking on the partner was like me overcoming my obstacle by taking on a partner, I guess. I think the important thing to point out too, Ash, is that you solved a problem for that partner also, right? Like they may have had the funds, but they, they didn't have the desire to source the deal, to manage the property, to do all the things that come along with actually becoming a real estate investor. So they solved a problem for you by putting up the funds, but you solved a major, major problem for them by doing the majority, if not all of the work related to actually taking that deal down. And I think that's where, where the lessons lay. 
I'm just get from that first partner. I'm just going to read my text messages from him within the last 24 hours for you. So I told him about a new deal I have. He's like, okay, I have 26,000 through KeyBank. I can borrow if I need to. I'm going to take 20K out and write a check to you this week. Please count me in for this deal. And then he goes on to list like where he's going to pull all this money from. Got to figure this out, but I'm in. Okay, so Wednesday, I'm getting a check from KeyBank for this amount. I'll deposit that Friday and then I'll write you a check the next day for this amount. I'll probably do another this amount, maybe even this amount, then an even higher amount. And he's like, what are you doing Thursday or Friday? So I can get the check to you. And he's like, okay, you better get this money from me before Vegas or else I might come back with two Peter Licks. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Lick, the the photographer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love, we love so his art galleries, but... <laughs> But what you just said just completely points to that because he it's an opportunity for him, too. And obviously, he wouldn't want to give me more money if things have gone bad for him. And so he's just I just thought this was a, a really great example of, you know, I was providing an opportunity for him and he got value out of it, too, because he's still wants to do more. And I think that's something that a lot of rookie investors don't understand is that when they present a deal to a potential money partner, they're not asking for a favor, right? Like I'm not asking for a favor by presenting you this deal. I'm giving you an opportunity to get a return on your investment that's probably better than it's sitting in the bank earning 0.01% interest on in that savings account, right? And as a rookie investor, you've got to change that perspective that you're not asking for a handout. You're not asking for a favor. You're presenting someone with an opportunity to invest. Yeah. One student that I, I mentor, his name is Bosco. First of all, really quick. I love this kid. Like I was talking to him last year during COVID and he was sitting in his car. I, I hope he doesn't get mad, but he was sitting in his car, like pretty underwater financially, like credit card debt, all types of bad stuff. And he would get deals. And then when he shopped them out to investors, he would be like, I'm only going to ask for 5000 because I don't want to be greedy. I don't want them to think that I'm like this bad person and I want to build a long-term relationship. And I'm like, Bosco, I love you, bro, but you need money right now. <laughs> and this deal, I, running the numbers, there's a lot more than 5000 you could make. But he still did it. He did that a couple times, 5000 5000 5000 And I was like, brother, you're just... You're doing all this work. You're spending all this money. You quit your job to make $5,000. I was like, do this. Next time, ask for $25,000, no matter what. No matter if you think it's there or not, just ask for $25,000 because you're probably running the numbers wrong. And he did it. He asked for twenty five dollars I think they brought him down a little bit, but he still made more than $5,000. So I'm like, see, you need to like, don't be scared to ask for more and then negotiate your, yourself down instead of starting low because you can't say 5,000. They say yes. And you're like, oh, well, what about six or what about 10? Right. Well, Brian, I mean, so many good things. I just want to recap for the listeners. We had resourcefulness, uh, being a problem solver, being a risk taker focus, faith, and social skills. And I, I really enjoyed this conversation. This is one of our longer episodes, but it was so good because we've hit on so many awesome things. So Ash, I don't know, any parting words from your final words from you, Ashley, before we keep rolling? I don't think so. I'm really enjoying uh, this episode, Brian. I And I can't wait to hear your answer for our mindset segment because I feel like it's going to be really good coming from you from what you've told us already. Tony, can I take them into that? Yeah, let's take them in. Okay, so Brian, what is something that maybe you thought or assumed before you actually started out as a real estate investor? And then once you jumped into it, you realized was not even true or was completely different? What is like a view that you have completely changed your mind about? I think I kind of touched on it before, but whenever I saw anyone else, like I could just use Tony as an example right now. Tony has a great camera. He's fit. He's good looking. I would think Tony's better than me or Ashley. I'm like, oh, Ashley has a gold chain. Like she's probably rich. Like I'm not as good as them. I have to ask. Stop it. You're making me sound so cool with a gold chain. 
<laughs> but yeah, but still, even something, if I saw somebody with a new pickup truck or even just a key of a BMW, I would think, oh, they're rich. Like, I'm not as good as that person. I wonder, like, why they're just so much better than me. But then slowly, once you start building your confidence, you understand that it doesn't matter what you have and what they have. If you're confident, people will respect you. They'll want to work with you. And you could be successful if you have uh, confidence. Have you guys ever struggled with that or is it just me? <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, right? I feel like every real estate investor has that sense of comparison, right? Where they look at the person that's maybe a few steps ahead of them and they feel like they can't compete, right? But I think your point of kind of focusing on yourself and knowing that everybody has their own journey, that's the important part. When I met Steve Sims, he had written that the blue fishing book. And he had told me how you'll notice sometimes if you're watching somebody that, you know, was in your position, Brian, where you think somebody is better than you, or, you know, maybe there's a celebrity or something, but you put them on this pedestal and you'll notice when people go up to them, they bow down like, oh, hi, it's nice to meet you. And once he said that, like, I've, I watch people now and I, I look for that and it is so true. And it's, you put, you like bow down and it's like, you stand up straight. It's another person and, you know, own yourself and be confident going up to that person and shaking their hand or whatever with a firm grip. But it was just so interesting how he said that, that just, it's just part of who a lot of people are, it's just their mindset. And I, I can picture myself doing it plenty of times where you just crouch down and you're, you know, it's almost like you're bowing to that person. And then you're not yourself. Yeah. And then you leave a bad impression. Yeah, yeah. They're like, why is this person bowing yeah. to me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, no, great advice, Brian. I want to take us into our rookie request line here. So rookies, if you guys want to get your question featured on the show, give us a call at 888 888- five rookie uh, to leave us a voicemail. We might use it on the show. So Brian, are you ready for today's question? Yes. Hi, my name is Amanda. I'm from Essex County, New Jersey. My question is in regards to holding costs and paying back personal lines of credit. I don't feel like uh, anybody goes into that much detail about it. So I'm curious how people are managing that. Do you have reserves set aside to cover those things? What kind of money are you using? Is that money that you're including uh, in what you get from private lenders or hard money lenders, et cetera? So how are people paying back during the rehab process their holding costs and personal lines of credit? Thank you. I think most people don't know that rookies know that lenders will actually like fund your rehab. So typically the way I fund my deals is I only put like 10% down. So let's just say for simple numbers, the house is 200 grand. I'll put 20,000 down and then I'll fund the rehab, which will be like 30,000. And then the lender will give me back my $30,000. So I'm only in it like $20,000. So if you're raising money to do a flip, Pretty much you kind of only need to raise like 50,000 because you, you put the 20 down, you could use the 30 to make the payments and fund the rehab. So once the rehab is done, you get that $30,000 back and you could just hold that in case something else comes up or to finish making like the hard money payments. Great advice, Brian. And that's really the power of the using line of credits is that you can pay them back and you're not paying interest on them while they're not being used. And then you wait till the next deal and then you can pull off and use your money again. One tip I will tell people though, is I've met a lot of rookie investors where let's just say for the example, they only have 50,000. They put the 20,000 down. They use the 30,000 for the rehab. Then they get the 30,000 back. And then they'll go buy another house without finishing the first house. And then they start running into problems because then they need more money to finish the second rehab. And maybe something comes up on the first rehab and they're not accounting for the payments. So just make sure if you're just starting off and you're a rookie, I would say wait until your first deal is at lease in escrow and has gone through the home inspection before you're like, okay, let me just buy another one because uh, I've seen a lot of rookies get into some um, issues doing that. 
over leveraging pretty much themselves. Yeah, earmarking that money and you having it spent before you actually have that money. And that's not only uh, just advice for flipping houses, that's advice like every day, like don't uh, spend that money before you actually have it. <laughs> like if they announce a new stimulus check is coming out, wait until it's deposited yeah. before you actually go out and spend it yeah. <laughs> and max out your credit card. Yeah, during COVID, before COVID hit in February, I had like eight houses. And at one point I only had $6,000 in my bank account while I had eight projects going on because I was banking on the first one. And then the first one fell out of escrow literally the week before, after all contingencies, I was just like, no, you guys have to close. They lost their EMD. And I was in a big hole because I was just over leveraging myself. And then on top of that COVID hit, So you know how I said, I'm going to become a millionaire. I'm going to be bankrupt. At that point, I was like, oh, I'm going to file bankruptcy. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, don't over leverage yourself for sure. And I think that's the thing too, is, you know, when you start out as a rookie, you just think, gosh, you know, the amount of money I'm going to have in my bank account. So awesome. But as you continue to grow and scale, I feel like that number gets smaller because you just keep reinvesting it into, into different deals and yeah. never have any cash. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm going to take us to our rookie rock star. So this week, our rock star is Kyle K from North Carolina, and he just listed his first flip for sale. Congratulations on completing your first flip. The purchase price, 155000 Closing and holding costs thirteen thousand. The rehab eighty thousand, and the ARV three hundred and fifty-five thousand. The project took two months longer than he expected and wasted a lot more money from being unorganized. But I'm sure he's taken away a lot of learning experience from this. And he does mention one: cheaper is not always better. So awesome job, Kyle, on your first flip. Yeah, great work, Kyle. Awesome spread there. So, Brian, can you uh, tell everyone a little bit about where they can reach out to you and find out some more information on you? Yeah, I'm most active on Instagram. So you could look me up at the Brian Davila on Instagram. Um, you could email me at brian at futureflipper.com. I do work with Ryan Pineda and we do coach people to start flipping houses. So you would check out futureflipper.com. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And we might just be having you back within the next couple months. We have a little project we've been working on in the works. So everybody watch out for Brian to maybe be back on the show in a couple weeks or a couple months. (laughs) (laughs) Brian, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you. I'm actually at Wealth From Rentals and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson on Instagram. This is the Real Estate Rookie Podcast and we will be back on Saturday with a rookie reply. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own.
Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.